Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of This Is Gonna Hurt, a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Now, I'm sorry if you're super excited to hear what happens next to the adventure. You're gonna have to wait just a little bit longer, but today is a recap. So if you just, you know, heard about us somehow and you wanted to start listening, but you're kind of overwhelmed by the number of episodes that have, have come out already and you're like, oh, I don't know if I can catch up on all that. One, I, I do strongly recommend you go back and listen to it because there's a lot of details that you're not going to get in this recap. And, you know, there's character introductions, which are, I, I think have been really, really awesome. But if you want to kind of just jump right into the story, this is going to be a recap so you can do that. And, and if you have been listening and, you know, it might be a good idea to listen to the recap anyway, because a lot has happened. And we forget, so I can't imagine that you don't either. So our story focuses around four adventurers. There is Windar, who is a dragonborn. He, he, was a, he started off as a bard. And then there's uh, Korath, who is a paladin, a member of the Order of the Timeless. And he is a, a goliath, you know, a very large, gray-skinned, kind of half-giant kind of guy. Uh, there's Brimley, who's a gnome. Big, red beard, and kind of... Uh, nature-y toned clothing, and he's a wizard, carries around an orb. And then Lorthmar, a, a high elf uh, fighter, he fought with a rapier. And the four of them, they found themselves on a boat traveling to a new land called Etroon. While they were on there, they were, they were there as basically bodyguards, and, and right away they actually had to step up. They were attacked by goblins, which they fended off with, with no problem, but it was an important trip. While they were there, they learned from uh, this guy Grayson, this old man, they learned that, that this nation of Troon that they were heading to, that there was this great cataclysm where there was all these earthquakes and there was, you know, this desert coming up out of nowhere and there were these rock slides and, and that just, you know, seems ominous. You know, they got to know him a little bit over the course of the week, which made it even more devastating when after basically they were almost there, the ship was attacked in the night and Grayson lost his life to these warriors who were in kind of shadowy black clothing and, and were wielding katanas. And, and so, of course, the adventurers, they you know, stepped up and, and murdered all of those people. And they actually found these tattoos, which glowed and faded on both the attackers and on Grayson. And that seems a little curious to them. And when they arrived... At Valorn, which is the port city that they were traveling to in this in this country of Etrune, they met up with one of the princes of the nation, as well as Aegisar Rorak, who is one of the twelve hands of the monarchy, one of the, the personal bodyguards to the royal family. And it was then they discovered that Grayson wasn't named Grayson at all. His name was actually Aberstall, and he was the older brother of the king of the entire nation. The prince was upset and and Aegisar was angry and, and, and told them not to leave the lower portion of the city while he, he tried to piece things together. But once they got to the inn where they were staying, they met up with this elf named Galandan. Now, Galandan was kind of like the first mate on the ship, and he had snuck away when they reached port. But Galandan explained to them that he was part of a secret order, and that secret order was, was dedicated to solving this cataclysm. And Aberstall, or the man Grayson that they had been on the boat, he was the head of that order. Upon going to Aberstall's private residence and finding their way into his basement, they found a book which he had left behind. It was encoded, and so Galandan started working on that, basically. 
it, it ended up showing them the location to a village, and, and while they were going to that village, there was an earthquake, and, and Valor and the city they were in just began to crumble to the ground. So it was a good thing they were leaving. Uh, they found their way to the village of Lorne, a suburban uh, little spot connected to the city. When they were there, they found their way into Toothclaw Cavern, a, a goblin-run cave system. And they fought their way through. They killed many goblins in the process. And at the end of it, they found what we're calling the Golden Sanctum. If it has another name, they don't know what it is. And the Golden Sanctum, the reason that Aberstall wanted to send someone here, or the reason he was looking for the location of the Golden Sanctum in the first place, was because it had a secret truth. Or I should say, the secret truth. You see, because every commoner Every person in Atroon has this, has this belief. And in Atroon, they worship seven gods, one of them being their first king, who they believe that upon his death ascended to godhood, a hero who is betrayed by his three closest friends. But the golden sanctum where they were, there were these panels on the wall which painted a different story entirely. It showed a history where the king, who is known as the monarch, he was sapping the life energy from the people of Atroon. And so for that reason, his three friends betrayed him. Now, upon seeing all these walls, Aberstall, the old man, appeared before them in a ghostly image. And he revealed that he wasn't actually Aberstall, he was actually just borrowing that form, but he was in fact the great mage, which was the monarch's closest friend, the one who had led the betrayal against him. And he explains what the panels meant, that, that the king had been, had been sapping the strength, the life energy itself from the people of Atroon, and he had no choice but to betray his friend. But the monarch wasn't easy to kill. As a very powerful being in his own right, it took a lot of energy to take him down. And, and so in order to ensure that he stayed down forever, the mage concocted a plan. He took the monarch's power, which was divided into four forms. Elemental energy was kind of the monarch's thing. And so the great mage, he took those four motes of elemental energy, which were contained within the monarch, and he separated them. He spread them out and he sealed them in cages all across the elemental planes to keep them safe. And the great mage explained to the adventurers that the reason that the earthquakes were happening, the reason the rock slides were happening, the reason the desert was coming up out of nowhere was because after 800 years, after 800 years of being sealed away by the, the mage's power, those cages were starting to fail. And power was starting to leak through, attempting to find its way back together to potentially bring back the monarch. And so he, he sent them on their way. He sent them into the desert to find a way into the elemental plane of air so they could find this cage and seal it. And as they made their way to the Tower of the Winds in order to get to the plane of air, they crossed through villages, they crossed through towns, they met some new people. They met Toko, a fisherman, a trapperman, a hunterman, who they found uh, being attacked by the river. They rescued him, and, and he ended up being their guide all the way to the riverside town, and then even beyond that, through the desert, onto the Tower of the Wind. Unfortunately, while they were there, they, they encountered dragons living beneath the sand, and Toko was unfortunately lost. Steve's making a sad face at me. But ultimately, the four adventures, they persevered. They found the Tower of the Wind. Uh, Windar found a really cool sword, which will be important in season two. 
They fought their way through. They figured out the puzzles. They reached the top and they found a portal, found their way into the elemental plane of air. While they were there, they met a bunch of air beings. They met one of the wind dukes who ruled a a small portion of the plane of air. They met uh, many of his children, but the the most prominent was Stumra, a blue-skinned Ganassi with stormy gray hair who uh, Brimley, the gnome, uh, immediately had a uh, romantic interest, yeah, inkling towards. So they moved forward, they they moved through mazes, they, they fought beings, they, they flew on the backs of giant eagles, and they found on a floating asteroid, very, very high up, the Earth Cage. This cube structure inside of which was this powerful earth energy. And upon entering, they, they, they fought a sentinel, a guardian, this, this robotic being with blades for arms. And upon defeating him, he became an altar with this single yellow glowing crystal. Now, Korath, who, by the by, lost his leg in the process of that battle, he touched the gem. And upon touching the gem, as the great mage had, des- as des- had described would happen, as the great mage described would happen, he made a bond with the cage. And by connecting his soul to it, sealed away, it tightened the seal of the cage so that hopefully, for the next however many years, it would remain Close. Conveniently for him, it, he actually grew a earth leg which to replace the one he had lost, which I'm sure he was pretty happy about. With their mission done, the team, by this point, having been dubbed the Goblin Sploochers, they went their separate ways. And they decided to go seek their own fortunes while they waited for, potentially, the next cage to break, which took one whole year. And that's where we'll pick up in our season two recap. So thank you for listening. Uh, We appreciate you stopping by. Uh, Hopefully you were like, oh yeah, that happened because you've been listening the whole time. And if not, hey, we're really glad to have you as a new listener. So hopefully you will enjoy season three. We've had already a good time recording it and which will be out this time next week. So we will see you there. Fight on.